tuning in to the Dig On Duck Podcast. And we're going to get live. We're going to get you ready because you're going to be in for an earful, baby. Let's go. Yo, yo, it's Dig On Duck. Dig On Duck. Dig On Duck. It's your number one spot. Dig On Duck. Dig On Duck. Dig On Duck. Another episode drop. This is Dig On Duck. We speak on things we love. Sports, books, and grub. Listen, we know what's up with me. Relationships, dynamites, main event, politics too In the airways, latest hits If I like it, then I name it If I love it, I'll explain it It's my podcast to play with Or experiment, we explore our differences Fact is, we ain't nothing without photosynthesis So get a load of this, lock in and focus in Informative discussions with substance you can't afford to miss Steer you from the shallow pits of hopelessness Change your mind state from renting to ownership We on some showmanship, set goals and go for it Share what I know so you don't have to go through it There's alternatives, hope kinds and turns and twists Yo, it's dig on Doug, fool, you know you heard of this monster make sure you go check him out on youtube all your music streaming platforms and everything make sure you like subscribe to all this stuff hit him up tell him that you listen to his intro on the dig on doug podcast um man okay this is crazy y'all i mean i i one of the things one of my goals for this year um is to be more transparent and vulnerable and so with that being said uh this is the second time i'm recording this uh, with my guest today, who is Ashley, and you'll you'll get to meet her here shortly. We were in the throes of the conversation and recording the podcast, and then I looked and realized I was not recording it, and all of my gumption in myself sunk to the bottom of my feet. And so I was like, oh my God, Ashley, um, I am not recording this. And so... <laughs> Uh, thank Ashley for being a trooper. Um, and um, like she said, everything happens for a reason. And I subscribe to that medicine as well. Um, and so we are here for the uh, actual recording of this episode of episode two of the Dig Undug podcast. And uh, Ashley, welcome to the Dig Undug podcast. Hey, I mean, honestly, there's some perks to this. I got to listen to the intro again, which I think is dope. Like I, I was not nodding my head the whole time. I was like, wow, this is so lit. So shout out to your boy for creating that. He did an excellent job. And I'm going to go after this on YouTube and check him out and listen to more beats because this is dope. I, I really enjoy it. I was like, hmm. Yes. No, nice. he, he, old he, school hip hop head. Yes. Oh, I, yes. I yeah. So yeah. No, he, he is, he is very skilled, very talented. Um, I got to on here again that'll be very fun to have him back on and um with the intro yeah. or he, oh bring me there bring me there too we can have a little cypher you know? <laughs> oh, oh okay okay cypher yeah, podcast so i yes, ain't doing that that is not my skill um but uh we'll, we'll definitely go so um ashley yeah. again welcome to the dig and Doug podcast glad yeah. to have you here you. and be able to share your experience and everything um one of the things, um, as we we have newly met each other, uh, we met each other through um, Hing. So shout out to Hing um, if you're listening. You better yeah, shout out to Hing. So, um, and when you listen to this Hing, you better let me know that you listen to it. So that's all I'm gonna say. Yes, and you know Hing Hing is my colleague actually. Where as you will know later on in this conversation, um, Hing is one of my colleagues because I work in higher ed, and so mm-hmm. does Doug. So we have that connection as well. But yeah, Hing is one of my favorite colleagues. And he's just amazing. And he's also a photographer and does great work. So shout out to Hing for connecting us. It's a cool connect. And, and, and shout out to you, Jasmine, if you're listening to this as well. Um, I'll let you. Hope you're well. Who's uh, Jasmine? His girlfriend. His girlfriend. So. Oh, shout out to Jazzy Fizzle. That's nice. <laughs> I'm going to call her that now. You and I haven't met her yet. But yes, well, shout out to Jasmine. Too. Jasmine, you got a nickname already if you didn't have one. Uh, yes, so Jazzy you got one from Fizzle. Ashley. So, so um, Ashley, oh, go ahead. No, I said that was just so sweet. <laughs> That's so cute. So, yeah, so wanted to have you on to share your, um, just your journey of, of to where you're at, to education, to coming from 
uh, Haiti and everything you've learned and experienced from that, Boston, and just to everything of where you got. I mean, you're a published author now, a great book that we'll get into later that y'all should definitely make sure you go check out and, and support your girl, Ashley. Um, so Ashley, um, let people know where you're from and, and who you are. Yeah. So I guess let's start from the beginning. I am from my mother's womb. She created me through the highest manifestation of art. And I'm so thankful that um, I was chosen to be her daughter. Uh, I was born here in Boston, but my mom immigrated here from Haiti. And um, so I am of Haitian descent and I'm Haitian American, a proud Haitian American. And I really enjoy my Haitian culture. I was raised in a home that was so vibrant and colorful and filled with life and uh, language and linguistic diversity that really shaped who I was as an individual. And I, I'm, I'm truly, every time I think back to how I was raised and like my lifestyle, I truly think that a lot of like how the, the pathway that I've taken in life was shaped by the fact that I was raised with such a rich culture that was diverse in terms of language and words and expression and experience um, because I'm actually a CODA. So my mom is a black woman who immigrated here from Haiti, but she also happens to be deaf. And so I was raised in a household where I was learning a lot about language and expression and human connection and building relationships with other people by building a relationship with my mom and learning more about uh, the deaf culture and learning more about how um, how I fit in into this space and what that looks like for me as a CODA. I never really identified as hearing and I also don't identify as deaf, but I was raised in a household with a deaf person. And so yeah. hearing culture didn't exist mm. until like I went to school and I was like, ah, this is different. Um, but it was a, a different experience for me. And so, um, in a lot of ways, I think that that was a catalyst to the type of work that I do now and who I am as a person, because as a CODA, you learn advocacy at a young age because mm -hmm. you are your parents' advocate. As a CODA who is a CODA to someone who immigrated from, the, from Haiti to the US, I was translating for my mom and also interpreting for my mother. Yeah. So um, there are a lot of times where you can imagine I'm at a doctor's appointment and I'm learning so much about my mom in a way that most children don't know because they don't have that proximity and intimacy to their lives like that at such a young age. But yeah. I, I had no choice because I was her interpreter. I was her advocate. And that in and of itself really shaped who I was as a person because I learned the importance of advocacy. And I learned so much determination, grit, brilliance, and beauty from my mother. And that in and of itself really shaped what I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted to be in a space where advocacy was the catalyst, where you know policy was the catalyst and where I can shape decisions that affect historically marginalized people and shape decisions that um, affect people that are from lower um, socioeconomic status background, shape decisions that support people and amplify voices that are often unheard and yeah. so that was my catalyst. And that's what shaped me as a person, which is what led me to all the things that I do now. So yeah, yeah no. that's, that's the start of my story. I was, I made my debut from my mother's womb on March 10th, 1993, I'm a 90s baby. And ever since I've been inundated by so much beauty and vibrance and passion and color by way of being a CODA, but also by way of experiencing the world through this lens. Yeah, no, 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 that's real. It, it reminded me of a lot of students who I work with who um, English is their like parents' second language and they have to go to doctor's appointments and translate and everything. And so, you know, a similar uh, boat to yours. Um, what what was that like for you growing up and, and being uh, your, your mother's advocate and, and how did that um, foster your relationship and, 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 and everything? How was that for you as a kid? Being my mother's advocate really taught me the importance of, well, it, first of all, my mom is black. She's a woman. She immigrated here. So she identified as an immigrant. She's now a US citizen, but she immigrated here. Um, and she has a disability, she's deaf. Yeah. So all those intersectional layers really 
compounded and shaped her life. And I saw that firsthand. So I saw the disparities that happened in terms of gender. I saw the disparities that happened in terms of racism and white supremacy. I saw the disparities that happened in terms of class and ability status, and it frustrated me. Mm-hmm. But I also knew that I, I had the autonomy to support my mother in a lot of ways that others don't, because I, I, I am also a black woman and I see the world in a different way. And I also am able to support her and protect her. Yeah. A lot of advocacy is also protecting. And um, what I learned in this process about myself, but also about the world and the impact that I can make is this. I learned that um, it's important to amplify um, voices that are often unheard. Uh It's important to use everything in your privilege and power to support people who are marginalized and often disenfranchised disenfranchised by our society because of the way society stratifies us. And I also learned the importance of being there, being there, fully there with your whole heart. Being a CODA, you're automatically, I feel like in my opinion, um, and most of the CODA friends I have, you're automatically an empath. Um, you're automatically able to really understand different things because you were raised in a home that really did not have the same constructs as the hearing world. Um, communication is different kind of like for example like there, there's a deaf heart and there's a bluntness that comes with deaf culture and so a lot of ways that I operated in the hearing world was a byproduct of being in this world and so very blunt and expressive I'm very expressive with my facial expressions and with the way I communicate and with the way that I amplify my words and like my oh. thoughts because like I have to be expressive part of the culture is to be expressive and yeah and so like, I've naturally been an expressive person. And I, so I think that shaped who I was too. The expression, um, being an advocate, being someone that is empathetic, being someone that had a firsthand uh, blueprint on how to be determined and resilient and brilliant. Um, my mother um, is someone who as a deaf woman has two bachelors and two masters and currently was just admitted into a PhD program. This woman's amazing. Amazing. I hope that I can be a sliver of who she is. On top of that, she's an artist, which is how I learned art, actually. Mm -hmm. One of the ways that we started bonding was through art. Um, And right now she's an art therapist. So I was also privileged enough to get her expertise as a child and yeah. art therapy and learning how to emotionally regulate it through art um, because I had my mother's expertise, which is a blessing too. Wow. That, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, I mean, right now my mind is just in the sense being blown. And this is what I love about connecting with other people and different and people from different walks of life. Cause you never, for myself, I've never thought of like what the transition is like to go, like you're saying, like going from, the the deaf world and like having to express with your face and and hands and everything and then to then translate that into like you said the the hearing world correct like just want to make sure i'm using terminology right yeah, and, then, and I, I never identified as hearing honestly i still don't identify as a hearing person but i also hmm. don't identify as a deaf person it's an interesting yeah. experience um because like i i don't i don't fully like i wasn't raised in a hearing culture yeah. so mm-hmm. I don't identify in that way, but at the same time, I'm hearing, you know, yeah. I have that, I, I'm hearing and I had that privilege, but a lot of it is also, and I think it's really important to highlight this is that, you know, being your parent's advocate also is allowing your parent or the person with a disability to be independent and because they want to be independent yeah. mm-hmm. and you have it. Like they're p- human beings. Like a lot of people like disassociate disability with like the fact that people are human and so like independence is important. Mm-hmm. Like, and, it, and it's frustrating sometimes. Like my graduation, for example, my graduation didn't have a sign language interpreter or captioning and it was on Zoom for my master's mm-hmm. program. And it was so frustrating because first of all, that's not ADA compliant. Um, yeah. So that's a problem. And, but also it's the fact that, you know, I had to translate, I, ha- I had to interpret um, at, the, at the Zoom. And, you know, it was pro- it, I know it was frustrating you know, for my mother. My mom wants to be independent at my graduation. She's my mom. And so like, you know, but at the same time, I was just like, 
navigating that. And so was my mom. And I think that that's really important to highlight here is the fact that like, as a CODA, you learn like um, how to be an advocate, how to be, a, uh, you learn how to be an advocate. You're naturally empathetic, but you also learn about like the disparities firsthand and see how much like society really causes so many people who are marginalized have rage mm-hmm. and there's no support. No, I mean, no, I mean, because what's coming to my head is like when we talk about like having a seat at the table, everybody having a seat at the table, when we think of this grand scheme and this great ballroom of everybody sitting at the table and planning things out, like we can often, I mean, I can, I I mean, I can easily say like, I don't think about those group of people, like the the deaf and everything. And it's like, and it's because it's like, it's not a part of my everyday life, but it's being able to have conversations and understand because then I can understand it because similar to similar to my struggle, but different. Like when I go into spaces or when I operate or when I think about friends or family members or people whose English is their second or third language and, and how that can be or how it can be um, being a woman and going into these spaces and operating and not. I mean, in a sense, you could see, especially in this country of North America, you could see a woman, but mainly like a black or brown woman almost as and nobody tried to like kill me for this, but in the sense of being at a deficit, like it's because you're you're not fully heard or you're not fully taken uh, taken to your full value or all that stuff, and really understanding the walk of a woman. Um, one of the things, and and I haven't read it yet, but it's a very intriguing uh, piece of work um, that some people have put together. Is there's this article out there, multiple articles of what women would do after 9 p.m. if man had a 9 p.m. curfew. And that very much intrigues me. Um, I was reading some of the, the bullet points and stuff from what the women were saying, like, oh, I would actually like go out at night more or I would like take walks in the park later at night and all this stuff. And so, cause we don't, often we don't think about that flip side of how something's affecting somebody else. Yeah, I mean, the patriarchy is a real thing. White supremacy is a real thing. And so, all these things compounded really impact women's experience, especially intersectionally when you think about the different types of women Mm -hmm. um, and where they come from and how they present themselves in this world. So definitely, yeah. So that's real, so, oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, what you're saying is um, true. I mean, there's so many different experiences, but also different ways that women are impacted by um, sexism to begin with. on the type of woman you are. Uh, there's a poem actually in my collection, Mahabu, called Corporate Afros that speaks to that. No, that is one, of, that is one, let's talk about it because that is that is my favorite. Yeah, oh really? Oh, awesome, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, um, it speaks to exactly that and I'm happy to do a reading of it. But yeah, uh, it's really, as a black woman navigating corporate spaces and predominantly white spaces, you're constantly battling between um, how you're presenting yourself and performing, mm-hmm. what that looks like, you know, choosing between hoop earrings and choosing not to offend someone, choosing yeah. between, you know, code switching and knowing that you're frustrated, but also trying to keep your job. Like there's often those like levels of like wanting to express yourself and wanting to stand up for yourself and wanting to speak up, but also knowing that your skin is automatically a threat, but your presence is automatically a threat because of all the things that you contribute, all I mean, the value that you bring to the job. Yeah, no. When, when, so yeah, no. When I when I read it, I was just like, "Wow." Um, and I mean, I don't know if you you have it nearby or if you can't. I mean, I I mean, if we could read it here, I mean, I was punched in the face. Um, <laughs> Okay, let me do that. One second, let me pull it up. Yeah, no problem. I read it from my manuscript on my computer. Yeah, no. So yeah, I mean that that was that was my favorite one. And then I mean, as we we talk, I'll I'll review um the other ones that that I really enjoyed. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited for that. One second, let me just yeah, no no problem. I don't know if well, I'm but while I'm pulling it up though, you bring up an interesting point about um not knowing. And it's that not knowing that's also really traumatic um, because it's like that a lot of people like choose, a lot of people choose to be ignorant. They choose, yeah. uh-huh. they, like they opt into not knowing on purpose because it's safer. 
yeah. and that and that's so traumatic but then there's also people who genuinely don't know and who are willing to learn yeah and that and that i really enjoy and i feel like there are a lot of people who are like that i just think about the different spaces like for example i work at a college of computer sciences and um I'm actually working on a program right now for our students um, that's a panel with different people who have disabilities that are working, um, either working on assistive technologies or utilize assistive technologies. Mm -hmm. Because I think it's important for our computing students to know that technology really shapes the lives of so many people. And a lot of people are dependent on them. Yeah. And so we need to make sure that these codes do not have biases that cause harm. Mm -hmm. um and more harm than it does good yeah because yeah. and like amplify tech for social good and what that means and so um for example with me assistive technologies are an integral part of my life my mother and i facetime um so it's that component that um is important here like my mother and i facetime my mother and i use speech tech there's vrs software wow. there, there's there's threads there's threads um, now with Instagram that's adding um, automatic captions to videos, which is so important. A lot of people also don't realize that when they're putting out content that there needs to be captioning. You're putting out a video on Instagram and expect that everybody's hearing and expect that everybody is able to like understand the video that you post. Like it's, it's actually ridiculous. And so, you know, learning more about how to be inclusive and accessible is really important. And so I'm doing that as a program right now for our students, but also like just in general, I think it's, it's important for everybody to know um, these tools are in these technologies and resources so that they can't say, oh, I didn't know, but it's like, oh, okay, there is, there are these supports here to help me and to amplify other voices and to support other people in the process. No, that's, that's, that's real. I mean, what, what hit at my heart when, when you started talking about that was me thinking about pre technology that we have and like for folks like your mother is like a phone call doesn't work well so actually there's a tty so there's a tty phone that that was like the thing to use it was a tty as a phone before now there's like so many different technologies there's yeah. different, mm -hmm. different phones like captel phones for example that um provide captioning on demand um for phone calls but originally most people use the TTY, which has an operator. And basically um, what happens is um, someone who's deaf goes in on the TTY, opens in an operator, comes up, the hello, this is the operator, da 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 da, da number, whatever. Um, you put in the number that you're trying to reach and then you talk back and forth. And so, for example, my mother would type on the TTY, hello, this is X, G go ahead. And you do type in GA and the go ahead sends it to the operator and the operator then goes, to the person on the other line who's probably hearing, hi, this is operator, blah, 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 with a relay call for X. And then they're like, oh, okay, and then do you know how to use a relay call? And then if the person says no, the operator explains what a relay call is. The person says yes, and then the operator begins. And then when the operator begins, they're like, hello, this is X, go ahead. And then the hearing person goes, hi, how? and then you have a conversation back and forth. And at the end of the, when the hearing person talks, they say, go ahead, and it goes back and forth like that. Um, and that was what, what was used. Like TTYs were like the bane of my, well, not bane of my existence, but those are like my phone. That's how I smoked with my mom for a long time. Like I remember in high school getting the TTY call, you know, going out with my friends and being like, hello, this is operator Boa with a relay call for Ashley. And I'm like, oh no, my mom is telling me to come home. <laughs> my mom will call like all of my friends, parents with the TTY. I mean, eventually my friend's parents are like, your mom's calling. Cause it's like, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was a TTY, but with iPhones now, it's FaceTime, which I really enjoy. Yeah. But also FaceTime, FaceTime fatigue is real, but I'm always FaceTiming with my mom. Mm -hmm. And so that's how we communicate with FaceTime. And so, yeah, I have um, corporate afros pulled up now. All right. Um, all right. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm just I'm just getting hit over here with a bunch of stuff. And then, I mean, just learning a lot. So I'm just like, wow, and just taking stuff in. So but corporate afro, like, let's let's get ready for it, folks. OK. <laughs> So this is corporate afros. Let me just put a page display. Okay. Okay. So this is corporate afros. I'm aggressive. Aggressive is in my confidence intimidates you. Aggressive is in my kinky coils make your skin crawl. I'm aggressive. Aggressive is in my womanhood is inadequate for you yet you want me to march in your parade. 
I'm aggressive. So aggressive that there's an internal battle between wearing my hoop earrings and choosing not to offend you. You? You offend me. You offend me with your pseudo solidarity. My aggression isn't half liberated based off your standards. My aggression isn't reactionary. My aggression doesn't involve demanding rights for your privileged genitals when there are those getting mutilated overseas. Yeah, I'm aggressive. Aggressive, aggressive as in I'm too eloquent and you, you are worried. Worried that I may outspeak you, that I may communicate in ways that you have yet to see. You are worried. Worried that my words and my actions are so unique, inspiring and culturally enriched and that maybe, just maybe you may be inadequate. It worries you that you are inadequate. So you relay your inadequacy through callous statements. You'd like for me to be silent. You'd like for me to smile more and ignore your passive comments, looks and actions. I'm confident, therefore I'm aggressive. I'm not here to tread lightly. I'm not here to be docile. I'm not here to be your pet. I'm not here to be silenced by the pack of wolves that mask themselves in political ideologies and floral fragrances that reek of manipulation. I'm not here to beg. I'm not here for your empathy, nor am I here to hear that you're empathetic. I'm not here to stroke your ego and be your token. I'm not here for your insecurities. And I'm not here to be poisoned by the very apple that sits on my desk with a note that says, welcome to the team. And that's corporate efforts. Yes, I mean, gotta, gotta hit it with the snaps. I mean. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it speaks to uh, mainstream first wave corporate white feminism in the workspace. It speaks to racism that you experience in the workplace. Um, I mean, I remember the Women's March when there are like signs about like, genitalia and all this stuff and i'm like there are women getting mutilated overseas yet you're like there's just so much different so many different um paradoxes here speaking to power and privilege and whiteness but also the space and being silenced and knowing that you can't silence those that um are powerful in and of themselves in and of themselves and those that have so much um power and expression and culture and experience and bring so much value into the workplace. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's real. Like part one of the lines that stuck out to me the, the most, um, the first one is, is you're, what is it? You're, you're worried about, you're, you're worried about being inadequate. Mm-hmm. Like that line, I was just like, I was like, I, I, I get that. I, I, I see that. I understand that. I mean, yes. walking into spaces and you can feel like uneasiness or when you hear something somebody saying something and they don't understand why you did some a certain way but they automatically take it as a threat um and like it it strikes on so many levels and so anybody listening to this go pick up the book um i mean we'll we'll, we'll touch on it and everything as well um share it it is a great gift like you don't need to wait for christmas to get this to somebody buy it buy like 15 and then just give them to like your (laughs) closest friends Thank you, Deb. That's so sweet. Yes. And, you know, also, if you buy them, connect with me. I'm someone, like, I love the human connection. I love friends. So reach out to me, DM me, like, connect. Let's be friends, too. Like, thank you for purchasing the collection, but also let's be friends and connect. I love to send goodies to my readers, and I just love to build a community, a writing community. And Look, just y'all, I mean, I don't know how many people y'all getting that from, but y'all y'all better do that. And we'll give you all the book information and stuff at the end, so, so don't worry about it. Um, but definitely check it out and pass it along um that i mean again and that like you said that touches on so many things it's not just because somebody be like oh well i don't have an afro i don't it's not it's yes the afro but it's a symbol for everything that goes on in this country that goes on in your day-to-day life this could be you coming home and you feel like this and and it's and it's a struggle to be at home and and everything are at your at your job or on your team or whatever it is it's 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 that real like actually was talking about that that connectivity of of struggle because one of the things i always say is because and we can get into this problem in this country um for sure um but we need to connect more we connect more and deeper with our struggles and our successes Mm. like that's that's just like when you like when i share a wound with you and you share a wound with me we we heal each other in, in a very spiritual deep way that often we're scared of because we don't want to we don't want to seem at fault we don't want to seem like we're 
horrible or or we don't have it together. That's a another thing of of one of my goals of this year is not to seem not to put off because a lot of people can read me as somebody who has it all together and and is doing things and all that stuff and I don't want to come across like that. I had one friend was like, "Oh, like Doug, he's like I would really, really would reach out more." But he's like, he's like, I know you're like always busy. And so I was like, bro, I'm like, I'm not that busy all the time. And, and, and I'm trying to figure out in my own self how to make it seem like I'm, I'm not, or how do I have a spirit of, like, I have a spirit of openness, I believe, but I also have a spirit of like, call and reach out. But I know at the same time we can do in our own heads and own spirits, we make people more busier than what we are. And so that can be a struggle as well. And so that's one of the things I'm I'm trying to, change and advocate for myself in the sense of, of being an open person to, Hey, reach out. Even if I don't call you back, like one of the things is new generation needs to learn of people. And this isn't just the young people leave voicemails. I don't know why y'all don't be leaving voicemails. Like, Jesus, like leave a voicemail. Well, the thing is the reason why they're not leaving voicemails is because the voicemails aren't popping anymore. Cause back in the day you would have a song, you know, like I remember I had Keisha Cole at one point I had Nicki Minaj. I used to be a Nicki fan. I used to be a Barb. And like I had all these different songs as a voicemail, you know, I had Key Sweat and like people, I'd be like, hello, like it's Ashley, leave a message after the beat. <laughs> and I just play my song and it's like, I should have cheated, you know, and it was like a, a problem, you know, and like it was lit. But nowadays it's just like, you have reached and it's it's not the same. Hey, you don't look, feel like look, nah, I, I ain't got, because if you wouldn't want an employer to not leave a voicemail, so people need to start working on yeah no but they can leave voice notes i like voice notes i like voice notes better than voicemail i leave like some, just send just me like something. fun things in my text See, like no voice, voice notes videos like gifts like photos of themselves doing fun things like no, I, enjoy no, I, I get i get all of that i get all of that like my thing is because even with text like text is cool but this new i come up with a, a lot of analogies phrases and sayings Text messages are the appetizers to the real conversation that we need. That is our entree. Yes. 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 Text messages are the appetizers, but the entree is the phone call or the FaceTime. It's, I like the, it's the true conversation and everything because yeah. there's conversations I'll be having with people on text and I'm like, oh, I want to tell you so much more, but I don't feel like texting all of this. Uh, and, so, and then often, and I'm sure because it's not just me and I, I do my best in all of this. So I'm sure a whole bunch of real conversations aren't happening because people just text. Yeah, yeah. And so, and then it goes back to, to I mean, in a sense, the, the corporate Afro, because people are scared. They're scared, they don't wanna have real conversations, they're threatened. If yeah. something makes you feel inadequate because you're not dealing with something yeah. in yourself and everything. And so, I mean, for so many different levels and yeah. reasons, I mean, I think you could teach a class on the corporate Afro. Like, I mean, I just uh, feel like there's so much depth there. Uh, I'm manifesting that. I'm manifesting that. Thank you for that affirmation, Doug. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> that made my day. Hey. But yeah, I mean, I I know what you're saying. It's true. The inadequacy piece, um, I added in different components of the poem because the first one is like, you know, a, a lot of women, white women are threatened um, by black womanhood, point blank. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, my womanhood is inadequate for you. Not to say that I'm, I'm not a woman, but it's that like, because it's seen as a threat, you use your privilege to constantly undermine me and cut me. Um, you lose, use your privilege and whiteness to like oppress me in a lot of different ways, not offer positions or like make it more difficult. Like there's so many different ways that this happens in the workspace for black women. I say me as in the collective, like it happens all the time mm -hmm. in a lot of different, in different ways. But it's also that inadequacy, like I'm threatened by you. Yeah. I'm threatened by you because there are things about you that I want. There are things yeah. about me. There are things about you that I don't understand. Mm -hmm. There are things about you that I want to understand, but I'm afraid to ask you. Um, and so there's all these different la layers. Like there's things about you that I admire and crave and want to learn more. But I'm so afraid. I mean, it's 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 wild that we live in a world. I only say it's wild. We live in a country where you can admire somebody, but then it becomes hate. It's like I'm sure you've heard the, the things on social media and everything where a fan or somebody on somebody's page of like an entertainer or whatever, because I don't call them celebrities, I call them entertainers, um, like will like bash a person, bash a person, and then, and then that person, that entertainer replies back and then come to find out that person actually loved them, they just went about hating them 
to get attention. To get attention. Yes. Yes. Isn't that powerful? And, and thinking that what you're saying, it's like, it's true. It's like that hate because they want the attention, but it's also that hate because they don't want you to have it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like if I'm down, I got to bring you down with me. Yeah. But also I don't want you to have attention. I don't want to put anything towards you because I know that you have more expertise in this area than I do, mm-hmm. or you have more experience than I do, or you have the, it's just like constant back, back and forth. So when I say like, you are worried, you know, worried that I may outspeak you, you know, worried that I may communicate in ways that you have yet to see, you're worried, mm-hmm. worried that I'm just so culturally enriched and that maybe just maybe you may be inadequate because you constantly try to undermine me. <laughs> At the same time, it's like, it's like a reflection, you know, like, yeah. I, always, I always say, I always say to everybody, I'm like, it's never about you. People's reactions to you or, or the way that they interact with you in the, is an expression of themselves, yeah. their own insecurities. You are just a mirror. So if somebody is coming out of nowhere, coming, coming at your neck out of nowhere, it's like, okay, that has nothing to do with me. That's a reflection of you and what you're going through internally. Because if I, if I, have, if I have no wrong, if I haven't done anything and you just choose to hate me out of nowhere, there's clearly something happening internally, whether it's an insecurity, whether it's a battle that you're facing. And so it's never a reflection of you and always a reflection of them. And uh, un- unless you know that you're you're doing something wrong and problematic, then hold yourself accountable. Yeah. But at the same time, it's important to know that often you're a mirror for so many people. And the way that you interact with people is always a reflection of who you are and who they are. Let's, let's just let that sit there. I want that to sit there for a minute so people can soak that in, because that, that was... That wasn't a gym. That was like a field of gym. So I'm just let it pause for a second. Okay, then we come back to it because I mean that that was that was <laughs> we a lot. Letting that marinate, we're letting that season a bit. Yeah, yeah, because because <laughs> the image that came to my head it, it, when you talked about that was like, say somebody's like, say we're in a we're in a skyscraper kind of building and like you're at the meeting and it's like it's on this let's say the forty fifth forty four floor. We'll say forty four floor. And so somebody took the elevator to get there and then they saw the person and then like closed the door or whatever. And then another person took the stairs and then they're in the meeting doing all the stuff. And then the person gets up there from the stairs, gets into the meeting and then is still killing it. And they're like, but they took the stairs. They should be tired. They should yes. be worried. They should be. This, that, that, that is corporate. That is corporate Afros. That is our experience collectively. You go into a space you're battling every day in that space. You're working twice as hard, but getting crumbs. Everybody around you is getting promoted and you're not. And you're killing it, going above and beyond your job. You're taking the stairs every day out of breath. And you are just killing it and outperforming. And they're wondering why, because they're the ones that put the stairs there in the first place. And they don't want the stairs. And so they built the elevator. Yes. And the elevator probably got a key. So what happened is that they built the elevator, but you only certain people can access it with a key card. Mm-hmm. And you got a key card too. But your key card never works. But there's art, a way to pass. Art only gets you to a certain form. And let's say maybe it gets you to the first 10, okay. 10 floors. Our key, co- our key card only gets to the first 10, 10 floors. And then after that, it doesn't work anymore. So, I mean, yeah. so again, y'all check out corporate afro i'm telling you um and so yeah. so as just as you but what's nice but what's nice is that we, we build our own institutions we build our own yeah. elevators yeah. we build our mm-hmm. own staircases so speaking to what you were saying earlier about championing your successes i think it's important to know that you have autonomy yeah. that you have power in the ways that you operate in the world and that you can own things and build things and take ownership of where where you can control mm-hmm. you know champion where you can control the spaces that you can control and make an impact champion that and make that impact use in your capacity i think it's also important to know that you do have a capacity to make an impact and you do have the capacity to own and and do things within your own autonomy and shape the change you are the star of your own show so you can flip the script whenever you want you want to take a character out you can just erase that character out of your script and you can just build it again you know you, you can shape what your show looks like. It's your show, it's your script, and you have all the writing authority to it, which is what's so powerful about this world too, which is why I'm saying like, yeah, I got the note that says, welcome to the team. Yeah, I got the apple. You're trying to poison me, but you can't. 
Yeah, that, that 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 Apple piece was was another one, yeah. and so this reminds me of another one that that I really enjoyed, um, Solar. Which one? Uh, Solar. Oh, really? Yeah. I've honestly, I've never heard someone say that they like Solar before. Not to say that I don't like Solar, but it's interesting because you know when I wrote this collection, there are a lot of poems that. Okay, so let me tell you, I've been working on this collection for like over five years, and so. I have so much, so many poems that I wanted to put in it, but imposter syndrome happens to the best of us. Yeah. I was like, am I even worthy to publish this? Like, can I even publish this? Like, I, I didn't study creative writing. Why am I putting this out there? But at the same time, it's like, it's not about what you study. It's about if you enjoy it and if there's a passion mm -hmm. there. And so um, I had a bunch of poems in this collection, Corporate Afros, uh, not Corporate, Malibu was a collection that had probably over like 200 poems. And I, I just kept cutting poems out, kept cutting poems out, kept cutting poems out. And Solar was a poem that I wasn't even going to add because I didn't even think it was that great, to be honest. Um, but I was just like so like insecure about this whole process that I was just like, you know, at, at one point I said to myself, Ashley, you're not going to publish this if you just keep lamenting over every single yeah. poem. So just like don't look at it anymore. So what I did was just I published it. I didn't even like look anymore any of them and just put it out there i was like i may not like, I may, I may not like solar but it's out there and so it's so interesting that you say you like solar because one that is so affirming but also it's just like it goes to show and this is to anyone who's listening it really goes to show that like a lot of the times like what we think internally is again a reflection of like our insecurities or a reflection yeah. of like you know our experiences with the world and like why we don't like something to begin with and like how that shapes us you know symbolically um, and it's kind of like, you know, when you have a self-limiting belief, you have to ask yourself, where does that stem from? Is it from experience from your childhood? Is it from a moment that you've had in, uh, at work? Is it from a moment, um, that you've had like in society at large? Is it because of your identity? And so, yeah, I am so excited that you like solar. And I think it shows everybody who's listening that what it's not always about what you think sometimes what you think what, sometimes, you're, sometimes you're your greatest enemy sometimes you are limiting yourself in a lot of different ways you should not limit it sometimes you are the barrier well i i have a, a thought of mindset and and of everything that i would hope that everybody is their greatest enemy i honestly i think that's who your greatest enemy should be and you wrestle with that person daily um because that you are the one who will hold you back. Yes. You are the one that holds you back, but you are also the one that propels you. Yes. And so there's a lot of different ways where it's like, you know, you are your greatest enemy. And because when, when people have imposter syndrome, most of the time it's because they're higher achievers. It's because they're really passionate about the work that they do and they want it to be great. Mm. And a lot of the times, a lot of your self-limiting beliefs comes from the fact that you are just so passionate about presenting your best self that sometimes it comes at a detriment to your best self. Yeah. And so, yeah, I like what you're saying there because it's like, what you're saying is spot, spot on in a sense that like, yes, it's good to be your own, your own, it's good to be reflective, you know? It's good to be cognizant of yourself and like to constant be, constantly be a reflective person and to really take a step back and like, do some self-realizations over and over again and like really evaluate yourself. It's so important to be your own evaluator um, as a human and really like lay out what you're doing and lay out your plan and see if it's working. Like, like let's go use this script analogy. Yeah. If, if, if the introduction isn't um, good, change it. You know, if, if you don't like the way the character is developing, change it. You have the autonomy to constantly change yourself and redevelop yourself and reinvent, reinvent yourself because you're, um, reflective and internally evaluating. So I really enjoy that. But yeah, solar. That's so interesting. Yeah, Thank no. you. So, so, so let's, so you said it took you five years to, to write this. So tell us why you wrote this. Like what was the, the culmination? You touched on it a little bit, but for those, those listening and then the, and then also just, I mean, you said it, but officially introducing like the, the book title and everything as well. Yeah. So Malabu. And Haitian Creole means beautiful. Yeah, I couldn't have said it the right black. way, so I, don't, I didn't want to say it, so. <laughs> it means beautiful, dark skin, black woman. And the reason why I chose the collection title is because I think it's really important um, to highlight and amplify the fact that dark skinned women are often um, undervalued because of colorism. And mm -hmm. I wanted this space to, this collection to really speak to, 
you know, ex an experience of a dark-skinned woman as soft and delicate as a woman. Often dark-skinned women are even seen as women. Mm. We're women. We're delicate, we're soft, we're feminine. We can also be aggressive. We're multi-dimensional and multi-hyphenated people and that's okay. And so this collection really speaks to, you know, falling in love, whether it's falling in love with yourself, falling in love with a nation, falling in love with this fruit, falling in love with an experience um, and what that means and what love means. And so in the cover, I actually have all these different fruits to replace the vowels. And the reason why is because vowels are usually curvy. When you think about it, like A, E, I, O, U, O, U, A, they're all curvy letters. And also I chose big fruit um, to replace the vowels. So I used a mango, I used a pomegranate. And the reason why is because they're big fruit and also curvy fruit and circular fruit. And so I wanted to highlight femininity. I wanted to highlight curves. I wanted to highlight fruit and sweetness, the sweetness of black women. And so that's why the cover is the way it is where there are fruits that are replacing vowels. And the title is called Mabu, Beautiful Dark Skinned Black Woman. Also in the beginning of the collection, um, it's a short story about a woman that I know in Haiti. Her name is Madang Aoul. And I met her while I was in Haiti um, mm. when I was younger a lot. And um, Madang Aoul is a woman who was our neighborhood laundress. And so what that means is that she would wash clothes um, for people in the neighborhood for 25 cents, 25 oh, wow. cents, American cents. Um, a lot of clothes, like heaping piles of clothes with her bare hands in a metal basin, in the heat, in the agonizing heat, with car exhaust um, going everywhere, and the scent of uh, trash and latrines, and children's running around giggling and laughing, and um, pulling on her hair, and pulling on her arms, and um, barbed wire behind her with hit clothes hanging over it. And so it was definitely an experience for me, because seeing her do this labor as a dark-skinned Black woman in the sun for 25 cents a day really just shaped my experience as a dark skinned black woman and what that means to me and how I want to present myself in the world, but also how I want to amplify that experience and show the beauty that lies in it. You know, I, in her, I saw divinity. Um, in her, I saw our revolutionary ancestors. I'm from Haiti, the first independent black nation. Yeah. So seeing her do this work um, was just eye-opening for me in a lot of different ways. So I started off the collection with her um, and just like a scene I had in Haiti that's still really vivid in my mind where I just saw her washing clothes in the metal basin in the heat, like from sundown, uh, sun up, sun, sun up to sunset. So then from morning to night, like the whole day in the heat, Haiti's hot and humid. The no, and, 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 and that's for 25 cents. Yeah. Yeah. For 25. Yeah. And, and, and what we are, what people out here pay for wash and fold uh, services out here. Um, yeah. What they so, pay to machines versus a human being yeah, human who was being. operating as if she was a machine. Crazy. Yeah. And so, and like you touched on it because I was trying to remember the, the, the verbiage that you use, but like you said, you saw divinity in her um, touch on that piece. Cause I, I think that was like super um, inspiring and, and, and I don't want to say mind opening when I read it, but heart opening. Ooh, I like that heart opening. Duck, are you a poet? Do you write poetry? Uh, it's no, it's been years. I just do uh, catchphrases and analogies and things of that nature. I think you should consider it again. I think you are naturally a poetic person. Uh, um, thing yeah, think. like this whole time I've been constantly inspired because you not only said heart opening, but earlier in the conversation you were talking about um, just like connecting, like texting to inadequacy and how that works and how you feel in that deficit and it's really beautiful so you should consider it Doug, Doug's next book is coming out soon y'all Doug <laughs> definitely get a book definitely <laughs> definitely Doug definitely should create a book but yeah um and her I saw divinity and the reason why I saw divinity was because one um the sun this sun was just glaring against her skin so beautifully Doug it was so beautiful mm. to see the way her skin was just glistening with the sun and how dark it was um and just how sweat was just beaming down her skin and she was just so beautiful to me yeah. and her i saw that divinity and i would love to read it to you um yeah, go for it yes let me read it to all of you um by the way y'all everybody who's listening y'all are family now and so we're all here together just talking and community 
Um, but yeah, let me pull it up so that um, I can read it. But uh. I first wrote Malabu in agonizing heat, feeling the wrath of its smothering hold on my skin. That summer, I grappled with the fact that I've never been in love, but I've loved deeply and couldn't solve why these sentiments lack definition. Most things I've loved sprung from trauma-sane emotions that lived in the pit of my gut and sauntered in the back of my mind to rest. Those sentiments shaped how I felt in my skin until I learned from soap suds within a metal basin in Haiti. For countless hours, I sat next to our neighborhood Lantress who rested her limp body on an aging oak brown wooden crate. With her head perched to her left side, she meticulously rubbed a worn gray t-shirt between her two bald fists above a metal basin with soap suds formed along the rim. A bar of soap lay in the sunbathed water, covered in a thick gray film. Her wrinkled underarms hung loosely as she rinsed and scrubbed each article of clothing one after the next. Her frivolous hand movements renewed the fabric with her willingness to work as drops of sweat slid down the rim of her nose. The wooden crate was in front of a large orange leaf tree that was withered and coated in dust, but fulfilled its purpose by bringing shade and harboring a cool breeze. As the sunlight continued to beat against her chest, her golden brown tone glistened. On her skin, kissed by our revolutionary ancestors, I saw the first independent black nation, the land of resistance and the hearts of valiant slaves turned warriors, turned heroes, turned heroines. In her, I saw strength. I saw independence in the divine feminine housed in a body subject to the highest form of cruelty that still reigns supreme. I saw divinity. Soap suds landed on my forearm. At that moment, I paused, taking note of how much my own skin reminded me of divinity and felt love, marveling at how my dark cocoa smother skin shimmered as a combination of lotion and sweat, and sweat kept me moisturized. Maybe this is what it's like to be loved or in love, to accept all that comes with being one with a collective, a nation, a mother, a fruit, a smile, and the pure adm admiration for our skin, entirely for what it is, divine. I looked within. Boom, there it goes. If you weren't <laughs> transported somewhere, um, I will ask you to check your soul a little bit and, 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 <laughs> and get your cognizant and everything. Ah, check your soul. Um, I love that you said that, check your soul. That's another poem, Doug. Another poem, <laughs> that's a thing. I'm not, I'm not playing with you. You need to write a poem. You need to write a book. You need to put more writings out there because all of y'all don't know this. And maybe I don't know if Doug share this, but Doug is like a creative for real, for real, like a real creative. And like, definitely think you should highlight that more. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll work on that. We'll add that to the, uh, <laughs> I, I go with the analogy because I get a lot of ideas. I, I am, as you said, I've been blessed to be a creative person. Um, <laughs> And so I talk about it as it being in the kitchen. Some things are in the fridge, some things are in the freezer, some are in the cupboard, some are on the stove. Some things are cooking, some things are just on the counter and we gonna, gonna put it there. So that's that's another thing that uh, we'll work on and everything from there. Um, Jesus, Ashley, I mean, just so talented, um, so heart-centered. Uh, for yourself and for others like i know people will get abundance out of out of your book and everything and so um i just i just i just know that and so um i mean wow thank you so much i'm i'm really glad that this is a podcast y'all because if y'all saw my face i'm over here like trying like hard not to cry <laughs> thank you so much doug i really appreciate your energy and your affirmations and Thank you so much for saying that my collection made you feel and also that my collection continues to make other feel, others feel. Yeah, I mean, no, like I, I'm I'm definitely going to share this and we'll probably, even, well, I want to say probably definitely purchase it for some folks and, and share it and everything because there's so, there's so much there and it doesn't, 
And if you're listening to this, and I mean, for the most part, if you're listening to this, you probably know me. I mean, you've known me in some way, shape, or form, either in real life or through this mic um, and everything. Yes, and I'm sharing this on my platform, too. So my friends now will know you, too. And my family will know you, too. And they're going to love you just as much as your fans love you. So now you got even more listeners. To hey, we, we we have and listeners all of those listeners so. now, all of Doug's listeners now, I thank you for taking this time to listen to Ash Bash and to connect with your new, your new sis, Ash Bash, but also to just take the time to support Doug and this podcast, which is dope. Hey, well, okay. Look, I appreciate that. Like I'm, I'm working <laughs> on receiving compliments. So I just thank you. Um, I forgot where I was going now, but um, definitely share this and everything. And so, so I mean, you dropped so many gems as we get ready to close this up and everything. And this won't be your last time. Like, I mean, you'll you'll definitely be back, and and maybe we'll have another reading, and we'll do a live uh, episode. Um, here Ooh, the- that would be so fun! And also the cipher. Yes, and the cipher. So I, I'll <laughs> I'll talk to Hugo, and and Hugo, if you're listening to this before I talk to you, uh, holler at me. I'm just ready to have a cipher. Yeah. Um, or we could have. I do have some friends who are in the poetry realm and maybe we could even have a poetry cipher. Yes. You know, it'd be really nice to have an open mic and maybe we can talk like maybe we can talk about the poems and we can talk about what, how it moved us and how it shaped us and really just build a community on poetry and creativity. Okay, I got, I got three people in mind right now. So there we go. We got a cipher, a poetry cipher, live poetry. There, there you go. A live poetry cipher. So I will have to work on that. Yeah, no, because that, yes, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So with that said, Ashley, uh, any words of insight or fun or whatever you want to give to 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 the people? So right now we're in a panoramic. Uh, we're in a pandemic, a global pandemic. And it's unfortunate that we are experiencing this because we've experienced a lot of loss and devastation. But this has also been a time for a lot of people that has provided growth and love and support and new opportunities and experiences. And especially with this virtual context, so many people who I know who have been unemployed for a long time were able to be employed because of apps like Clubhouse <laughs> that are connecting people to employment and because of you know the barriers that come with being interviewed. Like I think, I, for example, like there is a close friend of mine who is deaf and she was explaining to me about how this time has allowed her to interview actually more and be more comfortable with interviewing yeah. because we are in a virtual context and so the act of just presenting and having to present all the time in the interview face to face and have an interpreter or using all these cart services is different when you can go on google meets and it automatically captions things for you so people don't necessarily have to see things or um, it, it's just a different, it's a different context and environment for a lot of people too. And so in that way, it's provided a lot of opportunities and growth, but it's also offered um, too much devastation to count. Yeah. Um, we're in a time right now where we're oversaturated with information. Um, the fact that, you know, those who are privileged to work from home remotely the fact that a lot of them, a lot of us. Yeah, us. I mean, we're privileged to work from home, yes. Yeah, a lot of us are just sitting here, you know, working, but also being inundated by all this news. Like, I, w- I remember just like last week when people were storming the Capitol, scaling the walls as if they were Spider-Man. And I'm sitting here like on the phone, on the on, on Microsoft Teams, having an advising meeting with a student while like people are scaling the walls on the news, you know, like. The ways that we're, the proximity to news is different because if we were in the office, right, we wouldn't be watching these things until we Mm -hmm. got home at five o'clock. But now it's like you're here at home. You're being oversaturated with information and news and experiences in a way that it's hit you on a level that's more intimate. And and so in that way, it it can get get so draining, like the inauguration, like in working during the inauguration. And Mm -hmm. one of the most historic moments that we've had as like a woman vice president, a woman that identifies as Black and Indian as a vice president. And so like that, you know, was historic. And it's kind of like we're working from home at the same time. And it's just so, so interesting how we're expected to work. And I hate this hustle culture um, because it's so interesting that we're expected to work and hustle, 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 hustle. And there's so much going on around us and we have to be in tune with what's going on around us because we're social creatures and yeah. um, 
we're part of an ecosystem that like is a collective and a collaborative ecosystem. Um, although it's capitalistic, it's still a, a lot of ways very collective and um, collaborative, especially if you identify with different subcultures. And so, yeah, that was a lot. And I say this to say that right now is a time where I think everyone should just not apologize for how they're presenting themselves not apologize for how they're navigating this time and this space because everyone's going to be different and every experience is gonna be different. And so not to feel bad or guilty, but just to be yourself and learn as much as possible and constantly operate from a place of gratitude. No, that's that's real. Thank you for that, Ashley. So where can people find you? Where can they find the book? Um, and And again, how can they connect with you? Where you can find me is on Instagram, on Facebook, on my website, and on LinkedIn if you want to connect with me there. Um, so what are, my, what are the names there to tell? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> I'm getting. There. I'm, try, I'm I'm still trying to get over my cough again. I'm okay, happy to okay. the podcast because if y'all see me right now, I'm like. <clears throat> but um, <laughs> my Instagram is Ashley Odelia, so it's A S H L E Y O D I L I A. A, Odelia is my middle name. It's my grandmother's name. So I'm nice. really happy that I have such a powerful ancestor uh -huh. um, as my middle name. Um, and that's my name for Instagram. That's also my name for Twitter. On Facebook, it's Ashley Odelia Armand. And so you can go to my other page and connect with me there. If you want to connect with me on my personal Facebook as well, it's just Ashley Armand without the Odelia. You can connect with me there. Um, LinkedIn, same thing, just my name, Ashley Armand. Um, but my Instagram and Twitter ha handles are Ashley Odelia. Okay. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm so excited to connect with y'all. Again, I love community. I love building. I love friendships. I am your sister now, for real, for real. We're sisters, we're family, we're brothers, we're anything you want me to be. Um, and I'm here. And so the book, you can find it on Amazon. You can find Mabu on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles. I would love if you've already read my collection to leave me an honest and detailed review on Amazon and Goodreads. Those reviews mean everything to me. I really enjoy hearing what you think of the collection, but I also really enjoy the fact that you took the time to read it. <laughs> and I really just love the reviews. And also it's nice to have these reviews because it helps me also with Amazon and marketing and things like that. Yeah. Um, but also because I actually really enjoy the reviews. It brings me to tears every time because again, speaking to what we were talking about earlier about just like the process of actually putting this book out there. It's amazing to see how much it's touched people so far, yeah. how much it continues to inspire people to write. Um, how, again, my collection has not only poetry, it has my original paintings in there, as well as short stories. So it's interesting to see what people resonate with and what people enjoy from the collection as well. So definitely leave me a review. I would really enjoy that. Um, but if you haven't purchased the collection yet, um, thank you for being willing and interested to purchase it. You can get it on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles. And um, yeah, I'm really excited about it. Hopefully it can be offered in more places because actually I'm working on my audiobook. So if you like the way I read, read some of my poems or the introduction, stay tuned because I have an audiobook coming soon. I got a microphone I'm really excited about. And so I'm going to be on the process of recording my audiobook and it'll be also be offered on Audible in about three weeks so oh nice okay right right around the corner right around the corner so i'm really looking forward to hearing what y'all think about the audible because it'll be different it's interesting to see what how people read my poems yeah um and like how it resonates with them i actually have a series called the malabu writers series on my instagram page where different writers are reading my poetry and my collection oh, cool. and advertising um uh, my collection and it's so interesting and fun to see how they read my mm -hmm. poems and what what how they interpret uh, <clears throat> how they interpret the poetry and so um yeah i say this to say that the audible hopefully is going to be another portal into this collection in a way that you can hear it from me 
and hear it from my perspective and then also compare that to the way other people are reading it as well and make it your own. Uh, once Mahabu is in your arms, it's your baby. Um, it's yours. It's in your arms, your heart, your mind, and your soul. And so I hope that you take care of it. I hope that you learn from it. I hope that it inspires you. And I hope that it allows you to see your beauty while you um, experience its beauty as well. Well, there you go. That's Marabu. So M-A-R-A-B-O-U. So if you're searching that, that's how to go about it. I'll have links and stuff to it as well as when I, when I share it on all my social media platforms. Um, again, so great to have you here, Ashley. My closing words, I'll keep them short and sweet um, because Ashley, you just dropped a whole bunch of lifelong either waters unto the seeds you already had in your life or planted some seeds for you and or she removed some weeds that you have in your garden and as you are trying to grow and everything. Don't look. look. There, there goes Doug the Poet, y'all. There goes Doug the Poet. So what, what I will leave you with before we close out is don't just live, make sure you feel. Mm. As we go through this life and everything, just make sure that you are feeling and not just numbing yourself to everything that's going on and all of that stuff and have good community around you. So y'all you know what this is this has been the dig on doug podcast i enjoy you all can't wait to hear your feedback go and support the homie ashley go buy that book go share it share it with your nieces start a book club off of it reach out to her let her know that you're doing that maybe she'll come yes. and join the book club you yes so i'm here for all of that thank you doug make sure that you're feeling 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 make sure that you're feeling everything acknowledging everything, even if it's painful, feel it and go through it because it's only going to challenge you to be a better version of yourself. And so thank you so much, Doug, for promoting this. It means everything. And I'm so excited to be a part of this podcast and so excited for all of y'all family. Um, and yes, like Doug said, hit me up, please. Like I said, we're a community. So hit me up with photos. Like, let me tell y'all, I have so, so many photos that people are sending me with the book photos of them read videos of them reading the book so please do all of that i love that and there, look there, the there you there you go go do it so with that said <laughs> this has been the dig on Doug podcast make sure you like and subscribe um this audio will also be uploaded onto youtube and everything eventually so you'll be able to see it on there as i try continue to grow the youtube page and just have fun with this and bringing you different people from different perspectives and different walks of life and enriching your lives and through the enrichment of what they've done in their life and what they're continuing to do y'all so until next time keep it fresh keep it just keep keep being you because there's nobody else who is like you and until next time just keep digging y'all peace out <laughs>